Hello, and welcome to Tales from Wisteria Lane, the podcast where we give you a fair view of all things Desperate Housewives. I'm Billy Ray. And I'm Joel. We're the boyfriends, and today we're doing season four, episode 17, free. The, the last episode of very, season four. Very last one. I'm smiling, I'm just from saying it, can you tell? <laughs> but this is like midway through the actual series as well. I'm just so happy to have a break. Like... <laughs> So in this episode, I'm going to be leading and giving the outline, and Joel is going to give us his facts and his trivia. So what have you got for us today? So this episode was directed by David Grossman and written by Mark Cherry, Jeff Greenstein and Darby Waller, and it aired on May the 18th, 2008. The title comes from a song from Stephen Sondheim's musical, A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum, and the international titles are, so Czech, uh, translates to Free Again, French is A Strong Friendship, and the French-Canadian is A Ritual. German is Liberation, Spanish is Free at Last, and Polish is She's Free. Wow, most of those really suck. <laughs> Except the ones that are about Free at Last and She's Free, because I like, it relates to Catherine. I like German, though. I like Liberation. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Because that that is so... It's less on the nose. Yeah. Like, Free is like the poor man's liberation. Okay. <laughs> 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 Uh, so, this is the final episode of the series to credit as regular cast members Lindsay Fonseca, which is Dylan Mayfair, Joy Lauren, which is Danielle Vanderkamp, Brent and Shane Kingsman, who are Preston and Porter, Zane Hewitt, who is Parker, and Rachel Fox as Kayla Scarvo. Oh yeah, we say goodbye to the kids. We do say goodbye to all of the kids. So, all of the actors, excluding Lauren and Fox make their last appearance as series regulars in this episode. Oh, I'm going to miss them so much. This is They're the last so time cute. we see these iterations of that character. Yeah. So Andrea Bowen also leaves the show after this episode as a regular, but does that mean she's ever going to make a return? Who can say? Who can say? It really is like starting a new era. And this is also the last episode to feature Nathan Fillion as Adam Mayfair. Oh, yeah. Which kind of sucks as well, because he gets proper, like, he gets, like, a shitty end. Not, like, a shitty ending, but it's just... Because this is last episode, they don't really make anything of it. Well, he gets to be the big hero. He's, like, a big Hollywood hero at the end. And there is an alternate ending for the episode, which was filmed as the original ending, showing the housewives leaving Gabrielle's house and learning of their futures. And ABC head office wasn't happy with this, so they had to refilm the scenes with each housewife inside their house after the season had wrapped, just days before the episode was aired. Oh, I quite like the ending. I really like the ending. I'd like to see the original. And then, in this episode, Carlos, at the very beginning, sort of wanders off muttering about how he's going to look at porn in Braille. Yeah. <laughs> so I did some research in Braille porn. Yes, lay it on me. So the first Braille porn book was created in Stockholm by a woman called Nina Lind, or Lindy, not sure on the pronunciation, who was inspired to create the book during a trip to Chile when she helped a visually impaired man cross the road, and it has been created with images, and those images are then described in Braille. And although the book was originally created in 2010, it was only officially delivered to the Swedish Library in 2015. I guess that's nice because because sometimes audio doesn't work. Like you listen to an audio book and the narrator yeah. just doesn't gel with you. No. So you just want to imagine it yourself. Yeah. So it's um, it was a surprise to research that 2010 was the very first Braille book for porn. 
when I was doing research, there was so much, so much more information on this, and I couldn't really put it all down. But Hornet, which ironically I believe <laughs> is a gay dating app or something, it is. actually do articles, and they did a really good article on sort of the history of porn for the visually impaired. So if anybody is genuinely interested, then go onto hornet.com forward slash stories and find it there, because it was a genuinely interesting read. That does sound quite interesting. Yeah. And I have a little bit more trivia at the end of the episode that I'm going to deliver to us. That's great. So So in this episode, we've got a lot going on, but mainly it sort of culminates around a wedding, a gay wedding. A gay wedding. (laughs) So Bob and Lee are having a commitment ceremony, but it's not really about them. (laughs) It's really not. They are just like, they're the story that pieces everything else together. They're the reason everyone is in one sort of place at one time. Yeah, Bob and Lee are the worst neighbours of the season so far, and it's not their fault. It's just that... They haven't been given anything. It's poor writing. Sorry, guys. They they <laughs> they caused a stir with that fountain statue at the very beginning, and then that was it, pretty much. There's a lot going on, because they're having this wedding, and Catherine kind of bails out at the last minute and just leaves it all in Brie's hands, and Brie indoctrinates all of the women to help her. So everyone's got jobs to do, and they're all sort of culminating together in different scenes. So you'll have Brie and Lynette in one scene, and then... Like, in different scenes, they're all together. So it was quite difficult to write notes for this, really. Yeah. But we're going to do our very best. But it starts off with all the ladies together, mm-hmm. which is so nice. And I just feel like we don't get it that much. We don't get enough poker scenes with the ladies anymore. Yeah, because it never happens. Mary Alice makes it clear that this is, like, a weekly thing, I think she said. Maybe yeah. a monthly thing now? Or did she say weekly? No, she said weekly. So, yeah, weekly, they get together. They drink wine, except Brie. They mm-hmm. bitch, they dish, and they play poker. And this is when Catherine comes over during this week's session and just says that she's got to run away. And just, yeah. Well, yeah, she's like, I've got to go and it's an emergency. Sorry, Brie. And just leaves it all in Brie's hands. And so Brie hires all the other girls to help her with this commitment ceremony. So naturally, we've got Lynette, who's on cooking duty. Mm. She owns a restaurant. Um, we've got Susan, who's on delivery isn't she doing delivery because doesn't she come home to julie and she's like oh what are you, are you free tomorrow well you're not anymore because you've got to deliver this yes yeah, or collect like that. this or something because she's just had a baby so i guess she can't do she can't do too much she's got a new baby and gabby's on gift wrapping yeah or carlos's but we'll get there <laughs> yeah so let's start talking about susan in particular because she's got the smallest story so julie is getting into university she's just been offered apparently it's a really big honor where she's going yeah, or Princeton. What she's yeah. They're like an, I'm guessing they're like an Ivy League. And Susan kind of says no and says that she can't go. And um, Julie's not really too sure why. So Susan says it's because of money and Mike offers to help with the money. But Susan's being very strange about it. Yeah, I mean, this is a very relatable parent moment, I think. Mm. You know, every parent is never ready for their children to, to leave the nest, as yeah. it were. And so it is a very relatable Susan moment. But she does handle it in true Susan fashion. Yes, very poorly. Poor choice. But there is that scene later on where she gives Julie a mobile phone and she just says, well, if you're going to go to university, we're going to need to be in contact because I don't know what I'm going to be able to do without you. Yeah, and the gag of that scene was Julie doesn't have a mobile phone yet. I know, it's very strange. There is a moment in the episode where Catherine is looking for Dylan because Dylan's run away over something that we'll get to later. Mm. And... She tells Susan it's because she lied to Dylan. And I think this leads Susan into thinking, maybe I should stop lying to my daughter. Yeah. (laughs) So when she gives her the phone, she eventually admits that 
it wasn't anything to do with money. She just wasn't ready to lose her yet. And, oh, it was a beautiful scene. It was a genuinely beautiful scene. And to see Susan give Judy the credit she that she deserves. Yeah, she's just like, we've had this strong connection because we always tell each other the truth. To hear Susan admit that she was a mess was what the fandom really wanted. <laughs> Yeah, that's what we've been waiting (laughs) for. We've been waiting four seasons to hear her finally admit that she is a mess. (laughs) It's sad, though, because she knows that Julie's going and she thought she'd have a few months to prepare herself. Mm. But she's going early, so she's lost that preparation time. And that's what just scared her. It's also probably quite scary because she's, she's now got a new child and you've got that sort of fear of, well, I have the same relationship with my new child. Yeah. What will the relationship with my new child be like? But essentially, that's Susan's storyline, really. That is pretty much Susan's storyline. Not much in this episode for Susan. No. We've also got um, a shorter storyline from Gabby. Not as short as Susan's, but quite short. So, Gabby... Hilarious, though, sorry. I'm just going to stop you there. It is a hilarious story. <laughs> it's very funny. It's very Gabby, through and through. Gabby comes home after the poker game, and she's got all of these wedding favours to wrap. So, naturally, she's just like, so... Bree's expecting these back by this time. Here you go, Carlos, get working. <laughs> yeah, she makes her blind husband wrap presents. Yeah. I can't even wrap them with both of my eyes working. <laughs> and then there's that bit where he's like, whatever, I'm going to go read porn in, in Braille. Braille. <laughs> Which led to your whole trivia thing. Yeah. So Gabby gets a phone call from Ellie. We remember Eleanor, right, guys? She mm. got kicked out because the police were coming after her because she's a drug dealer. And she asks her if she can bring her teddy bear. It's the one thing that she has to remember her father by. Lies. And it's full of money. Yeah, it's clear manipulation. Why would she call you back just to get a teddy bear? Don't care if it's the only thing from your father. You wouldn't take that risk. You'd lose the teddy bear and you'd get on with your life. Hmm. Unless there's something inside it, which there was. Yeah, loads of money. Like loads. 188 grand. Amazing. Bit in that teddy bear. This episode was really funny to me because how many times did Gabby say about Ellie being her friend and we can't betray her to the cops and that? But the minute that they're having credit card trouble because she keeps maxing out the credit cards, she's like, yeah, we can keep this money, right? Yeah, screw Ellie. (laughs) And then when Ellie calls her up like, where are you? Where's the money? And she just lies and Ellie's like, you know about the money, don't you? Yeah. But then again, like, I, Ellie was exactly the same. Ellie literally was just like, listen, bitch, if you don't turn up with this money, I will throw acid in your face. And I was like, Jesus, <laughs> Yeah, Ellie, Ellie's character went from naught to 100 so quickly. And her true colours have come out. I mean, granted, it is 188,000. If it was like 20 quid, I'd say that's an overreaction. But for 188 grand, yeah, I'd be saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Because Gabby can't lie to save her life. She's on the phone like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. And she's like, I can tell you're lying because of your voice. And she's my like, voice? what's, what's wrong, wrong with my voice? voice? <laughs> and then Gabby gives up and she's like, well, how about we split it half? <laughs> yeah, ruins it. Absolutely ruins it. <laughs> A bit later in the episode, Ellie has somehow gone into the house. She probably just walked through the door because these people leave their doors open. Yeah, Americans, you leave your doors open all the damn time. And she's just there. Yeah. She's like Catwoman. Carlos went to grab his blazer to get ready for the wedding, which is pretty much just on the street now. And for a second, I was thinking, how does he not know she's there? I thought you were meant to have heightened senses, but he does know she's there. He goes downstairs. He's like, Ellie's in the room. Yeah, he was as cool as anything in that moment. I probably would have freaked. 
But Gabby is so Gabby in this in this particular moment where he's like, we should call the police. And she's like, no, what about the money? And then she like, these people need to stop hiding things under their bed because there's nothing under their bed but air and the very thing they're trying to hide. Like, <laughs> Right. The bag full of the money is under the bed. It's under the bed. But nothing else is under that bed. So it's just an empty space under the bed and then a bag of money. <laughs> Just it, and then and then they get into the fight, and then Carlos runs. To, oh my god! Just yeah, <laughs> Gabby scream as Ellie pulls her across the carpet, and she's like hugging the bed. <laughs> it's absolutely hilarious. It harkens back to the fight with Mary Bernard. Oh yeah, the the nun. Yeah, season two it, nun. It harkens back to that moment. So yeah, they're fighting, but they eventually end up running out, and Ellie gets lost in the crowd. Yeah, she escapes and gets a free invite to a gay commitment ceremony. Pretty much. But don't worry, Ellie. We'll come back to you. We will. Because that's pretty much Gabby's story. Over. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to Lynette, woman of the hour. Mm-hmm. Well, she's not, but well, she's, she's always the woman of the hour to me. She's always, yeah, for, for B, she is. She has a fairly tiny storyline in this. Yeah, tiny but important, I think, after yeah. what she's gone through this season. Yeah. So after the poker scene, she pretty much starts out her story by coming home and saying, you know what we haven't done in a long time, Tom? Made 250 mini pizzas in one afternoon. (laughs) And that's how you know what Lynette's job is for the wedding. Yeah. And Tom is still quite angry in this episode, bless him. Yeah, and he tries to say that he's not angry at Lynette, he's just angry at the situation. But we all know that at least 51% of his anger is at Lynette, right? Yeah, there's still... Just a little bit of resentment about the whole situation. He's not the kind of person to not be angry at Lynette for this situation. Tom always directs his anger at Lynette. So yeah, they're going down to the restaurant to make these pizzas. I'm not sure why Bob and Lee end up there. I think they're just having a little catch up with Brie about some stuff to check everything's in in operation. Yeah, probably. Because Brie's also at the restaurant and they're just checking that everything's fine. And this is when, the big thing of the episode guys, this is when the ice sculpture comes up. Yeah. They're arguing over a castle or a fat baby with wings. Yes. Is it called a cherub? A cherub. Cherub, yes. So the ice sculpture is a cherub, which Lee is not very happy about because he wanted the castle. Think Beauty and the Beast castle. I prefer the idea of a castle as well. And right away, I did think, Bob, why did you go behind his back to change the sculpture without Mm. telling him? He's such a bitch. I mean, I get the reasoning. He's like, because we're not 12-year-old girls. (laughs) But no, but, <laughs> but at the same, on. the same time, a cherub. But I think a castle is more sophisticated than a cherub. Oh dear, I don't. Oh, oh, guys, this is what we're going to fight about <laughs> at the wedding: is the ice sculpture. You don't see the castle in the Sistine Chapel. <laughs> well, no, but why would I want the Sistine Chapel at my wedding? Why would you want an ice sculpture at your wedding? I'm probably not. It's Britain, but what a waste of water. But at the same time, in the US, an ice sculpture is probably needed. It's only going to melt. Yeah. But Tom is still feeling a certain way because he didn't get his way about the pizzas. I think. Mm. And he's like Lee. If you let him win this right now, he'll walk all over you for the rest of your life or something. Yeah, and Tom just needs to stop getting involved in other people's marriages just because he's not man enough to discuss his problems with his own wife. And I think we get a bit more of that whole Bob and Lee being problematic thing that you spoke about because Lee brings it up. Bob agrees. Okay, fine. We can have the castle. And then one moment later, he just turns to Brie and Lynette and he's like... We're still going to have the cherub, and if he bitches, I'll just buy him some jewellery later. Right? <laughs> what the actual hell? Plus, I'm sorry, the commitment ceremony is tomorrow, so even if you were to change it, surely there's not enough time. Right? I don't think ice sculptures are made that quickly, surely. No. But that's pretty much what seems to be happening, because the ice sculpture on the day shows up as a cherub. Lee loses his shit, 
Bob loses his shit with Lee for losing his shit. They call each other dramatic queens and they end up kind of calling the whole thing off. It's a bunch of ice, you drama queen. He actually name drops Tom a bit here, which I thought was very funny when he's like, I spoke to Tom and he's right. I should stick up for myself more. And Lynette's like, oh, Tom, what have you done? Yeah. So it's up to Tom and Lynette to fix the wedding and to save it. Mm. Yeah. So they bring the voice together. And they basically, he starts by saying, if you're going to argue over an ice sculpture, maybe you shouldn't get married. And then we've got a clip. Who gets to choose the ice sculpture? Who has to stay home and make the mini pizzas? That's the little stuff. What are you going to do when the big stuff comes along? What are you going to do when a tornado hits your house or you have problems with your kids or one of you gets cancer? At some point, the crap is going to hit the fan. And that is why now, before you make the commitment, you have to ask yourself, is that person in bed next to you worth the trouble? Do you love him or her so much that no disease, no disaster could possibly pull you apart? And then Bob and Lee's marriage is absolutely doomed if that is the way, what their response is. They literally just go, sure. Oh yeah, they're just like, okay fine but um yeah. anyway <laughs> so they do end up saving the wedding a little bit or the commitment I, ceremony yeah i think they pretty much put some perspective into their heads mm. but um yeah tom here showing how much him and lynette have been through showing that he thinks lynette is worth all the trouble and that they're not going to be pulled apart by everything that's happened to them for now it's just going to okay. make them stronger because yeah. their rate their relationship is solid yeah well Still. they've they've been the most consistent relationship we've had within this show yeah a really nice solid ending for tom and lynette in this season yeah and for this era yes yeah so now we're going to move on to brie who i think has a very hard go of it this episode yeah she does she has a tough old episode she does she really does so she's the co-owner of this catering company that is doing the wedding and as we've already discussed Catherine has to bail on her and leaves it all in brie's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she needs to run a fabulous commitment ceremony and do it all by herself in like a couple of days. Yeah, she well, yeah, I think it was a couple of days actually. And Brie is really funny when she's stressed because yes. she just seems to become so bitchy. Um yeah, rude. <laughs> when she, like she goes up to Lynette and she calls her swan napkin pathetic. Well, it is. It looked like a snake. It looked really bad and I was like I, I get where you're coming from. Why don't you go for water glasses? That's an important job too. So basically, Lynette doesn't really have any important jobs. But then again, she's done all the cooking. She's done the cooking. That was an important job. So quite frankly, if I was Lynette, I'd be like, um, I'm kind of, I'm done. Yeah. But then Brie has to collect the ice sculpture. Which surely makes no sense because she surely doesn't have the capabilities to collect and deliver an ice sculpture. I know. What was that about? Like, That's crazy. An ice sculpture isn't the kind of thing you can just throw into the back of your car and, and go like... Brie does in this episode. You'd think, right? You surely need some sort of refrigerated vehicle. Now, she's on her phone while driving on the way back. So when she did puncture the tyre, in my head, I was thinking, well, good. It's what you deserve. It's what you deserve. And thank God that you didn't kill anyone when you were on your phone. Yes. But then from then on, I think karma does strike Brie quite badly. She's having the worst day. She's She has to walk this ice sculpture back to Wisteria Lane yeah, yeah. I mean, she looks pretty mental pushing an ice sculpture down a highway in a pram. I know. I wish that... You just don't see things like that. <laughs> it would make my day. Well, no, because life isn't a TV show. <laughs> I know. It's so sad. 
And then obviously there's a trucker that goes by and just sprays all sorts of dirt and dust all over. Yeah, and she's clearly like calling for someone to pick her up and help and her phone dies or has no signal or something. I can't remember now. I think it dies. So she's got no way to call anyone. Yeah, the walk-in, the ice sculpture. Oh, then the the wings fall off. Oh, because it's melting. Yeah. The hair. Oh, the hair. The hair goes all wrong and there's all there's dust and shit in the hair. But my God, this woman's dedicated. You've got to give her that. Well, yeah, she can't piss off the gays. No. Imagine what that would do to your catering company. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. So Orson comes along and picks her up on the side of the road. Orson saves the day. Yeah. Seems to be trying to mend the relationship as much as he can, a bit at a time by doing little good deeds. Yeah, but following someone around is not a good deed. It's creepy. No, he just wants to keep showing up and <laughs> trying to do nice things. Yeah. What a creep. Don't they? Like, they, they come back to the commitment ceremony and they have the chat. And that's where Bree essentially calls him creepy without calling him creepy. I think so, yeah. That's essentially what's happening with Bree. Until Karen comes over. Oh, yeah. She congratulates her and Catherine for doing such a bang up job. And she's like, uh, fuck Catherine, how dare you? <laughs> this was all me. <laughs> she bailed on me. And Karen says that Catherine is actually in her house. She well, only... Catherine's actually just in her house with a tea and she's put her feet up and she's living life. Right, she's living La Vida Loca, <laughs> um, margaritas. She's wearing nothing but seashells on her titties. Yeah, yeah. So Brie is naturally rightfully pissed off and she goes right on over to Catherine's house. Yeah. But... She bangs on Catherine's door. She hears Catherine playing MacArthur Park really loudly. <laughs> Someone left a nice sculpture right in the rain, <laughs> in the sun. <laughs> but in order to know what's happening at Catherine's house at this exact moment, which is very important, yeah, um, we're going to have to ditch Brie for a moment and talk about Catherine's story. <laughs> yeah, Catherine gets the, the juicy pulp of the apple of this episode oh yeah we get a flashback from 14 years ago of Catherine at the police station talking to this policewoman and i think this particular police officer uh, is a lot more sympathetic than any of the other police officers so she basically tells her that wayne obviously has friends on the force because he is a police officer so if you keep if you report him the paperwork is just gonna we quote go missing basically this policewoman is straight up just admitting to how crooked the system is I know, it made me It made me really angry. The story yeah. makes me so angry. Self-awareness queen. She's there like, oh yes, I'm, I'm one of the good ones because I'm telling you it's crooked. <laughs> but there you go. So eventually she just runs away with Dylan. Yeah. Or this child, if you will. <laughs> we know it's not Dylan. No, it's not Dylan. We find out in this episode, well, it is Dylan. It's, it's the original Dylan. <laughs> this is storyline. Oh, actually, yeah, it, this is my point. The storyline is terrible. So she runs away with the original Dylan. Cut to the modern day, and she wants to run away again because of everything with Wayne. And she's gone to the police again. Mm. And the guy, she just so happens to run into the police officer that, you know, Wayne plays golf with or something. Yeah, and I'm sorry, but like, even we still see that even 14 years later, the police system is still just as corrupt as ever. Yeah, 14 years later, and they're still just looking out for each other. They're even looking out for their police buddies when they're wife beaters. Yeah, like in instances like this, just take it seriously. Did it get on your nerves? I have to ask this. Did it get on your nerves when she's packing to run away and Dylan says, why do I have to be afraid of my father? Yes. That really pissed me off because I was like, have you not been listening this whole season? Exactly. I'm sorry, but like, bitch, have I not explained all of this to you? 
Like, and did he not just hurt you a couple of episodes ago? Yeah. When he came running home and crying in my arms because he grabbed your arm because you didn't have a scar. Like, I don't think I need to explain this to you and I'm sorry. I'm running away because you're too dense to come with me. Good luck on your own. Yeah, stay pretty because you do not have the skills that a woman <laughs> needs to get by. The weapons that a woman needs to get by. Just, oh God, it was so bloody annoying. But I, what I will say is this whole storyline doesn't match up to the history we already have with Catherine. Catherine was supposed to have grown up on Wisteria Lane. Well, not grown up, but was supposed to have lived on Wisteria Lane. That's how she knew Susan. That's how Dylan and Julie were friends. Mm -hmm. But where is this location? Where does Wayne work? Because if Wayne works so far away, how does he know the police force in Fairview, mm. but also he claims that he spent so much money trying to find Catherine, but Catherine was only with her family. So it, this whole thing makes zero sense to me. It's like the, the script writers did not write oh, I get it you. to make legitimate sense Yeah, whatsoever. the pieces aren't adding up too much when you actually think about it. No, yeah. like, come on, how long was Catherine on Mysteria Lane then in the end before she left to go to Chicago? Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Catherine's trying to run away. Dylan's not having it for some reason. And so she tells Dylan the entire truth, everything that we're about to find out a little bit later. Okay, I'll tell you. <laughs> and Dylan doesn't take it very well, and she runs off. Yeah, no. And she's also like, why didn't we go to the police? Bitch, he is the police. Oh my god, Dylan! Good god, Dylan! You're so annoying! So, so annoying! So, anyway, that's why Dylan stormed out. That's why Catherine was looking for her. That's why Catherine went to Susan and inspired Susan to be truthful with Julie again. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, I wouldn't really have called that a storm out. I would have called it like a, a light breeze out. Yeah, I guess. She really didn't storm out. She yelled no and then ran. But there was no storming of any kind. And that yell of no was also very half-hearted. Come on, Dylan. Hmm. So, to summarise the rest of the story, the awful police officer who didn't take Catherine seriously called Wayne and told him everything that Catherine just said. He's Which all like, surely is illegal. So he's all like, Wayne, um, your crazy wife just said this. Just thought you should know. So he decides to stop beating up Adam for a bit. <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, ha, ha, ha. God, she's such a crazy person. All right, we'll see you later. Bye. And then just kicks Adam. <laughs> yeah. So he goes to Wisteria Lane, shows up at Catherine's place because he knows that she's going to leave at this point. Holds her up at gunpoint. And this is why you don't tip them off. Loads of shit happens. Um, Ellie, who was running around the gay market, runs into Catherine's house to hide for a bit. She ends up getting shot. Yeah, yeah. Bree goes over to have a word with Catherine. Hilariously, just in the back of a camera shot, gets pulled in <laughs> into the house. Yeah. And then eventually, when he threatens Bree, this is when we finally get the big story. So everything that happens, which I'm just going to break down for you guys now. So Wayne found out that Catherine and Dylan are on Wisteria Lane and they're arguing downstairs while Dylan's asleep. He comes for her and she hits him over the head, which we saw in a previous episode, and he leaves. Upstairs, Dylan's tried to get her doll from the top of a bookshelf where Catherine put it. This falls down and kills her, so she adopts a baby from a Romanian orphanage and pretends that this is Dylan, as if because if people find out that Dylan was dead, Wayne would convince everyone to blame Catherine. And thus is the season mystery. So Such a terrible mystery. So the person in the shallow grave was the original Dylan, so there was no husband buried in a shallow grave. It was just Wayne who was whacked her on the head and then left immediately. Which makes no sense as to Aunt Lily's note that she left. Why? What happened in... What, Aunt Lily left a note so your father was murdered. Hmm. 
See what I mean? They started story threads that they kind of clearly changed their mind on and then decided to go another way but didn't clear up the story thread in any way, shape or form. I have so many questions after this. Like, I know Lily said she heard a crash. Like, she ran downstairs and she was like, is everything okay? I heard a crash. And we can all assume she meant the crash was Catherine smacking Wayne Mm. with the candlestick. Anything bigger than that would have been heard by everyone in the house. So why did nobody hear that wardrobe crash down onto Dylan. Yeah, considering that when they went up to check and they found the arm. <laughs> just the like arm just... <laughs> the, the arm out there. And then there's glass as well. So you're yeah, like, okay, it would so have glass heard shattering. shattering. Yeah. Two, why was the wardrobe so light that Catherine could flip it off Dylan so easily? And was it empty? And if so, why? Three, why was there an identical twin of Dylan somewhere in the world? And does that mean we all have identical twins out there in the world somewhere? Oh, convenient. <laughs> so, um, four, why did Aunt Lily not fix that floor after so many years? Because after Catherine finished telling the story, she, like, moved the rug back and there was, like, that scratch in the floor still. Are you serious? I can easily answer that. That's expensive. I was like, why did you not just fix that floor? And five, how dare you? I have a lot of questions. Number one, how dare you? <laughs> like, how how dare you try to sell me on this bullshit storyline? Yeah, so I'm it's like, it's okay if you don't think about it too much. I'm so offended. Like, you clearly had a different ending in mind, or you, diff- you clearly had a different storyline in mind, but changed your mind halfway through, and that's why you had the, your father was murdered, and you were going to have it as, like, Catherine murdered Wayne or something, and then you changed your mind halfway through. Maybe it was the writer's strike... It, it mm. stopped the season before its actual conclusion was going to come. Maybe. Mark, Cherry, and gang had to quickly wrap it up as yeah, best they could. Probably, probably. So we'll just go with that. <laughs> so Adam is actually alive. He wasn't killed by Wayne. Steals a car. Bit of Grand Theft Auto. Love it. Right, just rob the guy after all of this. Couldn't just ask for a lift. Right. As we said earlier, Adam has his big hero ending because he stops Wayne from doing his shit. Somehow. Yeah, they get into a fight. I'm not really sure why he didn't just shoot Adam. But... Get into a fight <laughs> off screen. I might like to add that fight was off screen. And then everyone runs downstairs and Wayne's just on the floor like, ah, oh, holding his arm. Mm. Like, ah. Oh. Catherine shoots Wayne because <laughs> why wouldn't you at this point, right? Yeah, well, Adam also drives into the um, commitment ceremony. Hate crime. And the ladies all basically come together tell each other exactly what's happened and they come up with alibis to save Catherine and to finally oh give her a break yeah and like everyone has their own little like Brie and and Gabby and Lynette and Susan all have a, a moment with the police where they big up Catherine essentially and like basically say oh no Catherine was correct he was mental yeah so the police have no choice but to believe her the idiot policeman who tipped off Wayne and when used to go golfing with him Seems to be feeling a bit guilty, but quite frankly, you should be fired. Yeah. And Dylan has said sorry, forgives her mum. They hug and make up. And I wonder if she's going to have some sort of repressed trauma and questions and an identity crisis after this. But Good, we, she deserves we, it. But we don't really know. <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting ending. So we now cut to five years later. We have the famous five-year time jump. And Catherine is now part of their poker game. She is. They've let her in. Yeah, maybe she's more fun now. Maybe, now that Wayne's gone. So Catherine is now part of their poker games. Everyone is looking quite all right five years later. It's quite nice, except for Gabby. I was about to say, you can't sit there and say everyone looks quite all right when Gabby's at that table. I'm sorry. sorry. (laughs) Brie looks fierce. I hated what Brie was wearing, but it's so conservative that I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Girls had a Um, finance glow up in five years. Lynette looks really good. 
Lynette does look really good. She's had a haircut and I thought, oh, you look pretty put together. That's nice for you. Yeah. Gabby is looking a little bit more rough than usual. Mm. And it turns out that she has two daughters. And a blind husband. Yeah. But she's got two daughters. Oh my God. Yeah, baby, finally, we've got to Juanita and Brumhilda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Throughout the whole, when we were watching the show for the first time, I could never remember Celia's name because she barely has anything to do. And so every time she was on screen, I was like, oh, it's Brumhilda. So that God was her name to me. God knows where Brumhilda even came from. I don't know. So yeah, she's finally got my... Juanita and Brumhilda. And I'm so happy for Gabby. She's finally got two kids. My Vera Wang. Run, Celia, run! (laughs) But can you believe that we missed Gabby's pregnancy? We missed the pregnancy. The the baby and... Do you reckon that was a contractual clause with Eva Longoria? (laughs) She was like, we do not show pregnant Gabby. (laughs) We then have Brie, who is now... She's got a cookbook coming out, and she seems to be some sort of famous chef. And hello, grown-up business, Andrew. I flood my basement. <laughs> oh, Andrew is so handsome. We've got Orson back. He's upstairs having a bubble bath, which she's going to attend. So they're back together, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And Andrew's um, like, I've got the woman from the Times for an interview, so she's like proper big. Yeah, she's successful. She's like Mary Berry big. Yeah. Uh, Lynette and Tom seem to be having constant problems at the moment with their kids. The twins, who are more grown up, are apparently being arrested constantly. No, no, it was Parker. Yeah, but the got. twins seem to be constantly being arrested. Oh, the twins, sorry, yeah. The twins are constantly... Like, no, it wasn't the twins this time. And I was like, this time? The, they got Parker. Parker? The good one? No. Not our sensitive Parker. <laughs> They've got Parker. And Susan comes home to her loving husband, whoever he is. Right? He is not Mike. Who the hell is that? Who? Who is she? Where did you find <laughs> Where her? Where did you find her? Wow, what a controversial ending. What a controversial ending. And so It's so exciting, but so controversial. And that five-year time jump, so much to look forward to. That five-year time jump apparently didn't sit well with a lot of fans. I can imagine why. I mean, like I just said, missing Gabby's moments of pregnancy after this, all of this lack of motherhood and not being able to have babies. Oh my so God. I got some reviews. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> so what did people say? So Konami Chidori wrote, Okay, this five years later business, I'm not buying it. Firstly, Gabby is my favourite character. She's sassy, glamorous and funny. And no, this isn't my... I was going <laughs> to say, you, you have found your soulmate. <laughs> I can see her being a mum turning out to be a funny process, but I just won't feel right with her being a regular soccer mum. With Lynette... Well, we all saw her twins becoming rebels, but Preston, that's just a little weird. But isn't it Parker? I think he means Parker. Yeah. We all knew Brie was going to become successful. That's just her. She's strong-willed. So that's really no surprise. Last but not least, Susan and a new man. This is so not settling with me, no matter how hot he looks. Mike was the (laughs) rugged, sexy plumber. Who's this yummy-looking entrepreneur? And what happened? Jeez, come on, Desperate Housewives. You can do better than this. Who said people got wise in their old age? Yeah, not going to lie. I think the Mike controversy would be the biggest one. Mm -hmm. Like WTF. What if it is just Mike and he had massive plastic surgery and that was (laughs) going to be the story? Maybe... uh, what happens if a wardrobe fell on Mike and so he needed plastic surgery because he needed so much facial reconstruction? The true ending, Ellie was going to come back to acid Gabby, but she got Mike. Yeah, yeah so... Mike jumped in the way because Carlos was blind talking to a tree because he didn't realise it was a tree and he thought it was just another guest yeah. at the commitment ceremony and he was chatting away and Mike, who has his sight, <laughs> could see that Ellie had a, a cup which was really steamy and he thought it was just like coffee or something and so he went to like jump in the way so that Gabby didn't get coffee on her beautiful dress and it turned out to be acid. 
Yeah, it's just Mike all along. <laughs> so, um, and then Louise Ogvist said, this thing with Susan leaving Mike and the new guy looked like Adam, the British guy she dated before she got back with Mike. Was it him? Was his name Adam? No, it was not Adam. I can't remember what his name was now. Ian. Ian, thank you. Adam. Adam was the one that we had in this season, <laughs> Catherine's husband and gabriel even though i think she means gabrielle that's just bad she's known as the cool selfish and beautiful woman not a mum to two ugly kids <gasps> <laughs> that's just not how i pictured it the thing with lynette Catherine, and brie is not surprising though <laughs> that's okay but still i'm a bit disappointed hope desperate housewives continues in the fall and we better get a big explanation two ugly kids, two ugly kids. how rude <laughs> poor Juanita from Brumhilda. <laughs> so it was an awful lot of the transformation of Gabby and the the missing link Mike. Like, yeah. Where where is Mike? So Gabby and Mike were the big ones. The big the naturally the real issues that people had. Where did you get these reviews out of curiosity? I just got these off of IMDb. Oh, so these are um viewer reviews. Yeah. Like, yeah. Not, as opposed to critical consensus. No, I tried to find some, but I'm guessing they were just too old. I would have had to really deep like dig into the archives. So, let's move on to Joel's segment for the gayest and the straightest moment. Joel, what do you have for gayest moment for the final episode of season four? So, my final gayest moment award... Of season four. Of season four. (laughs) Goes to Wayne for being in a softball team. Really? Because of all of the sports... That's the gayest one. I didn't even pick up on that. Except synchronised <laughs> swimming. And also, I just kind of needed a reason to give it to Wayne, because I feel like he'd be the kind of person that would get really pissed off for getting a gayest moment award. <laughs> um, <laughs> because he's no longer in it. <laughs> this was my last chance to give Wayne a gayest moment. Oh, and God. hurt his ego. I love that. I didn't even remember, like pick up, pick up on that moment. And who do you have for the straightest moment? So, my award for straightest moment... goes to that policeman friend of Wayne's for basing Wayne's character on his ability to play one of the most boring games in the world, golf. Oh, I was so sure you'd give it to Bob for that comment about, I'll just buy him some jewellery and he'll get over it. But you know what? That is way more straight. You're so yeah, right. Yeah, that's straight. Oh yeah, no, he can't beat his wife. He's amazing at golf. What is straighter than old white men playing golf? Right? Come on. <laughs> like, ugh. What do you do? Play with Donald Trump? Get some perspective. Right. Ugh. And now we move on to the Best and Worst Parent Award for B for the very last time of season four. So Mm. B, who do you have for the best parent? My award for... Best Parent of the Episode. I gave this to Catherine for protecting Dylan from Wayne forever. He kind of made out like he went to kill her or something. Well, yeah, I mean, he did want to kill Dylan in the end because knew, he knew it wasn't his daughter. And he was like, well, I, I'm so confident that she's not actually mine. So when she turns up, I'll just hold her at gunpoint until you tell me the real story. Mm. So, yeah. And so who do you have for your, I was about to say straightest moment, who do you have for your worst parent of the episode? My award for... Worst parent of the episode. This was really difficult because there's not really much parenting in this episode, really. So I gave it to Susan <laughs> for lying to Julie to try and stop her from going to university. I mean, yes, I would say that's, yeah. that's adequate. Princeton is a very well-respected college. Yeah, even though I completely understand your reasoning and I feel, I feel for you. Yeah. yeah. So that was season four, episode 17, free. And me and Joel are now free for a few weeks. We are free for a few weeks. So... If anyone wants to contact us on our social medias for any comments, queries, theories, 
I can't remember what I normally say now. Comments. Where can they find us? <laughs> Queries. Um, you can find us on Instagram at Boyfriends Review, and you can find us on Twitter at BFS Review. We've also got email, which is boyfriendsreview at outlook.com. And our artwork is done by Louis, who you can find on Instagram at DocRedMonkDesign. And he also has an Etsy page where he does commissions. And keep an eye out for our new artwork that will be coming soon. Oh, exciting. Yes. So join us next time, whenever that is. We'll let you know when we'll be doing Season 5, Episode 1. You're going to love tomorrow. Oh, oh yes, we'll see you then, but we will post on socials when it's going to be, but probably a few weeks. Yeah, enjoy uh, some time with us, but we'll see you soon. We'll see you then, guys. Goodbye, guys. Bye.